0: Welcome to the Force Multiplier for Law Enforcement podcast with your host, Lorenzo Valdivia. This is a place where we discuss different factors to give law enforcement officers the ability to accomplish greater feats and tasks than they would without it. We will have unfiltered, candid conversations with those who have knowledge, know-how, and bring what they feel are these different types of variables to help keep our law enforcement on their top game. Enjoy today's show.
1: Welcome to Force Multiplier. I'm your host, Lorenzo Valdivia. Today, we have Megan with us. Megan is a police officer in Colorado. Uh, very excited for this episode. Megan is our first female police officer to come on and talk defensive tactics and, and law enforcement. So, Megan, first, welcome uh, to uh, Force Multiplier.
2: Thanks. This is my first time doing anything like this, so I'm, I'm happy, to, happy to talk to
1: you. Oh, it's going to be fun. We talked a little bit prior to and you know, it's going to be fun. If you don't mind, would you mind giving the listeners a little bit of uh, introduction and information about yourself and what you do and your law enforcement and defensive tactics career?
2: Sure. I've been a deputy sheriff for 19 years, coming this March, will be 19 years. It seems crazy to think that I've been doing anything that long. I don't feel old enough, <laughs> but I started on patrol. I went into investigations And then I came out of investigations for a couple of years as a uh, patrol supervisor. And then I went back into investigations and that's where I currently am now. I was not always a DT instructor. I've been doing that for, I'm fairly new actually at it. I think 2017 is when I went through FBI, but obviously I've trained DT this entire time. So lots of different exposure and lots of different programs. So I was originally certified in FBI. I have a Krav Maga level one certification I got on my own. And then just recently went through uh survival tactics, GST this past year. And so we're getting, we're working in how we've been starting to roll that into our DT program. And so we're just kind of looking at how we're going to continue to do that for our guys at the office.
1: And you guys have a Colorado has a, a thing with next, right? That You guys are trying to work around. I remember talking about yeah. that. Megan and myself, we got to go through GST in Colorado, what was it up in Denver, right? together? is where we met and I think we were talking on GST network, uh, the instructor connection. And then we we're like, Oh my gosh, we were training with each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, here's a picture of us training at the same, place, I know. same time. <laughs> oh.
2: yeah, I'm so bad with names. I'm the worst. And I just had another, um, one of our classmates um, find me and send me a friend request. class. So like, it's cool. Just how even that little bit of GST and then jujitsu in general has sort of opened
1: my world up to a bunch of different people. It's really cool. Or no, yeah, Evandro with remembering names, right? Oh
2: my gosh,
1: that means amazing. <laughs> oh man. So let's let's talk back. We were talking a little bit before about your law enforcement career, right? When you first got in and kind of where you were at with that and you know, how did your police academy training go? And then let's say your first couple years of being in law enforcement you know, what was that experience like?
2: I mean, it was great, but there was a lot of things. I mean, the academy was great, but we were doing PPCT in the academy as far as defensive tactics go. And I did well with that. I was one of the top students in that, but I always, so I look at everything. I'm five foot two and I'm a hundred. At the time I got hired, it's 117 pounds right now. I'm about 130, but I was little teeny tiny. And so I was always looking at these different tactics as like, how is this going to work for me being this small female? Mm-hmm. Right. So we started an Academy PPC team. We did some of that as I first got hired. And then in the beginning, it was intimidating You know, I'm not going to say it's not, I was working with the head <laughs> woman of female, I think at the time, you know, and she, God bless her. She paved the way for me on patrol quite a bit, but, and, and then not that the guys ever treated me um, poorly because they did it. They were great. They took me under their wing, that kind of thing. But, it was definitely intimidating feeling small and uh not having too many other female officers to bounce things off of at the time. Um there's another she works for us now, but there was another female sergeant at Goma PD that I looked up to quite a bit. But and then just looking at those, you know, those use of force and those more active situations uh-huh. I was going to and how I was gonna handle that, you know, being so small. I was just gonna say I never I didn't think I didn't see PPCT working very well for someone my size. Right. And then, and I just really got, I came to a point where I had thought when I got hired, I was really strong. You know, as a runner, I did all these things and I found out very quickly that I wasn't. And so a lot had to change for me, you know, going in and changing how I ate, changing how I worked out and changing the different things that I was doing on my own. So that I felt more confident being out there because we, when I got hired, my County, I was, we're one man cars. And I was covering um, a huge area by myself to where my backup was 20 to 30 minutes away sometimes. You had to be really good at talking (laughs) and I definitely had to feel more confident, you know, in my boots, you know.
1: Yeah, adding a vest and a duty belt changes things, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, for a while, I mean, there were times, I still do sometimes, you know, you just feel like, you feel like a target, especially nowadays with the way things are. Mm. You know, you can't hide who you are, everybody knows who you are. In a small valley, everyone knows who you are when you're not wearing all that stuff too.
1: So what you mentioned that you found this physical fitness level, right? That you thought you were like, I'm prime and I'm ready for this. And then all of a sudden you got thrown into this police work and you were like, Whoa, everything I was doing was not for this. No. <laughs> uh, you know, What was that journey? Like, what did you adapt and, and what did you find that you had to change or maybe do a little bit different that helped prep you for this career field? So what I
2: kind of realized very quickly. And I don't know if there was a moment or whatever, but I just remember looking at the guys that I was with working with every day and thinking, man, if I can't drag my biggest guy out of a firefight, out of a bad situation, then I need to work harder. Like I need to be able, I want the guys to know that I'm going to get him out or I'm going to die trying. I don't want them to worry about me being small. And I need, I owe it to them um, not to myself, but to them too, to be at a level where I can help in a fight or in a bad situation, I need to beef myself up. And I think I knew, and I still know, you know, I'll never be, I will never be as strong as a 220 pounds, six foot five guy, but I I should be as strong as I can be as a five foot two, you know, female, you know, Mm -hmm. I started lifting weights at the time. I had no idea what I was doing. I just tried to do a little bit kind of found powerlifting. found CrossFit, Really got into that. Found a Krav instructor and, and did level one Krav on my own after CrossFit. It was really fun. So did that. We sort of, we evolved our de- defensive tactics and Krav made me feel like I could get out of the situation, right? But it was very aggressive and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I, it was great. It was better than what I knew. And, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know, as far great. as everything else that I know now goes. But really changed that, put on like almost 20 pounds of... I hope mostly muscle, <laughs> definitely not. I was running a lot. I still run sometimes, but you know, I don't, I, I run a little bit now, but kind of learned that some of that long time static exercising was good for my heart and everything, but wasn't as practical as I needed it to be for my job. I mean, nobody's going to run 26 miles from you. Right. <laughs> Fun for me. I love to run still. And I, it's not to say anything bad about marathons or anything like, that. I think it's great for you, but I also needed to incorporate some other stuff. So I started doing that. And then, yeah, just sort of seeking out those more, I think, more practical type physical fitness endeavors.
1: Things that were maybe a little bit more specific to your job, right? What I find yeah. with, with a lot of police officers is, or not even a lot, what what I found with some, and I realized this, I was going through a, a uh, physical fitness test for a police department that I was trying to get into. And, you know, we had people of all physical levels and, you know, physical fitness levels. And in particular, we had this one guy that, you know, I always remember it stands out. I mean, he was just this big old gym rat. I mean, you can tell he probably was in the gym more than he was sleeping in his bed, but he couldn't pass the test because he built his body for uh, a different level, right? He couldn't jump a six foot fence. He couldn't overcome some of these obstacles. And this was his, I think his third time attempting it. So I think you, you hit something there is, you know, you found a physical fitness program or you went through different things and found things that would help you with your job. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's a good point right there. Right. Work, work towards your, towards what you're doing and uh, you know, improve that.
2: Yeah. Cross that was great for that. And it is, and I really like it, you know, you're doing odd objects, you're doing pushing, pulling. It's really great at highlighting what you're really bad at too.
0: <laughs> so
2: You know, you need to work. Yeah. But you know, and I think there's some metaphor and not to be, you know, Everybody gets CrossFit out of a hard time. You know, through that cultish mentality. But honestly, like there's a lot of application. Like when you're gutting yourself through a really long, hard workout, I will think to myself, like there's times I'm like, man, this sucks. Like I want to quit. Like I don't want to do this. And then I had to switch my mindset. Like, okay, but what if I'm on the street and someone's hurting me or my partner? I don't have a choice. I can't stop. So I don't stop. And so I think there's a lot of application there. And I definitely remember there was a moment where I knew what I was training was the right way, was the right thing. In that aspect, we were doing active shooter training one day at work and we were doing rescue drills where we had to carry everybody out. And there wasn't a single person that I couldn't lift. And I was going in and out, back and forth. And I'm not saying this to be like. Right. Arrogant, I don't know. But I'm Absolutely. just saying. this big clinic, but I could pick everybody up. I could go back in. I was recovering fast. Like I took people out left and right. I was ready to go for war. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing something right because now I'm not gassed. I feel strong. I feel more powerful. And it really helped my confidence a ton. Like when I could go in and deadlift over 300 pounds, like, all right, like, okay, I, I, I feel like I can hold my own out there a little bit. Right. It just helped a ton.
1: And also probably helped with those, you know, those other uh, officers and deputies that you worked with of like, Hey, Megan, you know, I know she comes, you know, she's, she got my back, right. There, there's no question about that. So no, that's awesome. I think that's great. so let's talk a little bit. so we got our physical fitness, right you found that and you found a way right you found a a I don't want to call it a deficiency, but you found somewhere where, hey, I need to improve this right and then we talked a little bit earlier about the mindset piece right how did how did that help with the mindset of being a police officer and you know being in the situation where you were at with you know, wanting to be able to know that, you know, hey, when stuff hits the fan, I, I can do this stuff, right? Just that mental piece of it.
2: Yeah, it helped a great deal. I was definitely more my, you know, for one thing, my uniforms weren't hanging off me anymore. I had some muscle <laughs> to fill them and which is great. You know, like I didn't have like my pants hanging off my flat rear end, you know, like I actually had something to hold my fans up. So, I mean, it, it helped my, I think my, you know, my, command performance, not my command performance, my, um, what's what word I'm looking for? My professional, like, look, people were, my command presence is what I'm trying to say. So I think it definitely helped that because I was more confident. I looked more squared away in my uniform. So that was one piece of it. I think another piece of it was, I was like, okay, I can, I can keep up with my guys. Like I can keep up with them when we're running. I can keep up with them when we're fighting. I feel like People can't just push me over like a stiff wind's not gonna blow me over anymore. So (laughs) it definitely really, I mean, it definitely helped. And then when we would go do defense politics at at, uh, work, I mean, it was still a little scary because being strong and being able to fight, put everything together is is a completely different situation. But it definitely helped. Like I recover faster. I didn't feel like I was struggling as much. It just gave me a lot more confidence. I felt better. And then as I progressed, of course, you know, you get the job knowledge too, which helped a lot. But definitely that physical part of it was huge in my mind because i was so self-conscious about it to get to a point where I was less self-conscious just that de- it definitely helped me
1: and those type of you know not having that confidence there can make someone hesitate right I'm not ne- not necessarily you but somebody in that situation you know it, it makes you hesitate and second guess you know what you do or, or how you do it which in turn can you know make you uh, more prone to injury more prone to mistakes yeah. that you know Potentially, could be life altering because of that.
2: Absolutely, you're more likely, I think, to go to a higher force. Maybe you don't necessarily, maybe you could justify that, but I mean, that's an unfortunate situation for everyone if you have to go for a higher, you know, to a higher force option. Yeah, it can make you hesitate. It can make you not overthink things. It can make you not want to jump into the middle of stuff. And yeah, I didn't want to be that person. You know, I remember saying in my oral board. You know, they asked that question. You know, why pick you? And it was like, listen, I, I just can tell you that I will work my butt off. I will do my best, and I won't let you down. And I, I will never forget that I promised my sheriff that, and that, and my command staff that. And I did. I don't ever want to feel like I'm an anchor in my agency. I'm ever want like I'm people back, or I'm like that person, right? That's you know, at the bottom of the barrel of things. I don't ever want to feel that way. I want to be an example for the females that are coming in my agency. I want to be an example for a community. I want people to trust me and have faith in me. I want to have faith in myself. And it's incredible how much just being physically fit and being trained in those kinds of things can help with that.
1: That's great. I like that. (laughs) So now your defensive tactics, right? Let's talk a little bit about pre, right? We're going to go pre, like I really got into this defensive tactics thing. And we'll talk a little bit later because you got into jujitsu and and these other things. Right. But we're, let's talk way before that. Right. We're junior deputy back in the day. Right. And we're finding ourselves in these altercations. Right. Because you don't get to pick when that happens. Right. You're not, you don't get, you know, hope, you know, I'm going to finally start getting in altercations in, you know, year four after I've had some good training. What were those yeah. first few years like for you, you know, once you got out on your own or even, you know, when you're going through that FTO process and getting into those altercations with the limited training that you had at that time?
2: Man, I mean, and, and even when I came in to police work, it's not like I was a scrapper. Like I didn't get into a ton of fights when I was younger. <laughs> a couple. Um <laughs> A couple. I mean, legit. I mean, a couple, but they didn't last very long. And it wasn't like the person was trying to hurt me or I didn't have a weapon on. They're just completely different situations. You know, definitely those first few altercations, I felt like there weren't a lot of options in my head of what I could do. I remember feeling like, hey, I know how to do a couple things. Or I would remember thinking like, you know, the deputy that I'm with, he's much bigger than me. And, you know, I can't get in there to like, you know, help him. I would definitely really focus on, and I think this is still a good thing, but I would definitely focus on trying to talk people down. And I would really try very hard. And I still do not to get into physical. To me, that was like, I have to do this. I Maybe. Mean, yeah. But even then I was just like, I got to do this. Cause what if they, what if they hit me one big hit could put me out? Like I could be, and it's still probably fairly true. I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm Superman for going to fix. I know I'm But I remember being more aware of that and being more afraid of that and thinking like being more concerned about what would happen if that didn't work. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I just felt like I didn't, I knew enough, maybe if the person didn't really have a whole lot of, you know, commitment (laughs) to to hurting me, but it was really intimidating. Everybody's bigger than me for the most part. (laughs) You know, I just got really good at talking to people, but I definitely remember feeling like, man, I know a couple things and if that doesn't work, I'm going to have to like, we've got tasers when I first started, I had like pepper spray and a gun. And I remember thinking like, please God, I don't ever, if I, if I, this doesn't work, I'm going to have to go to my gun. And my dad was a cop outside of Cleveland for years. And he's like, you just remember like, once you pull that you're committed. And so make sure that if you've <laughs> got to do that, like you're committed. And he was right. And I thought he's still right. And I still believe that. But I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I hope to hell that the little that I know works if I got to do this. And if it doesn't, man, I hope I'm fast enough to, to get out my gun and deal with stuff. And it's a lot different now.
1: Did you find back then that maybe you were a little bit more hesitant with people that you encountered or, you know, maybe you took an approach that maybe you wouldn't nowadays. I don't know.
2: If I was more hesitant. Like, I definitely just had the sense, especially when I was, when I knew like where my guys were at, like 20, 30 minutes away. I knew that my backup was a while away. I was just probably quicker to call for a cover car just to get people rolling my way, which is not a bad thing. Um, You know, like I said, I don't feel like I hesitated to go anywhere, but definitely had more anxiety about it, right? Like, you know, when I would go, I'd be trying to think like, all these different scenarios. Like if this doesn't work, what am I going to do? How far away is everybody? You know, am I going to be able to hold this person down? Like, you know, so it was just definitely more anxiety producing. I feel like going to those
1: calls. Okay. Okay. Now, are there any situations where that stand out in your head where, you know, you would maybe think back and you thought to yourself like, man, I wish I had more training, right? You found yourself in, Something with a subject? Is there anything you'd be open to sharing a, about a time like that where it's like, man, like I don't have the training that I need or, or that I should, or you know, maybe the training that I thought I had, you know, wasn't sufficient at that time. That kind of you know puts you in in that time of we got to get serious about this training.
2: Yeah, there's a couple. There was one where well, I think it's my first ever like even slight altercation with anybody. I was with my FTO at the time. He's a big dude. He's a sergeant. He was my favorite. He's great. But the guy, we had him over the hood of the car. He already handcuff him, and he started to resist. And I did what I needed to do from PBCT, and I tried to grab an arm, tried to get him, But he's just really strong, and he was pretty sure that I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure he was on the under, under the influence of drugs. Knowing him, all these years, it would be a pretty good bet that he was. But I mean, I felt like I wasn't strong enough to get that arm behind his back. I felt like you know there was just. I only knew a couple things, and when those weren't working, you know, well, I was doing my best. I was trying, but it, I felt like I could have been more effective in that moment. And especially knowing what I know now, oh my God, there's a hundred different things I could have done. <laughs> but at the time, I remember feeling like, man, I'm just really stuck on these couple little things I know of Budo CT. And we eventually got him in handcuffs. He didn't hurt either one of us. We didn't hurt him. We're very lucky. And I look back at a lot of different altercations now and think, man, that was really lucky. That, you know, these people were not, and I think we can all say that no matter how much training we have, we're, we're lucky a lot, but I do think there were some times where we had another guy, same sergeant, he, I was out of FTO, we had another guy who was extremely high, he was at a gas station after hours in one of the municipalities, they didn't have 24 hour coverage, so I went to go deal with him. He was totally fine with me at first and then decided just to kind of step a little bit, try to walk away from me. Sarge got there, same kind of thing. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to restrain him, fight with him, eventually got him on the ground and got him handcuffed. But again, just didn't feel like I had a lot of tools in my toolbox. It worked. Everything was fine. But knowing what I know now, I mean, I don't think you, in the moment, I don't even think I mean, you only know what you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. Like now that I know what I know, I'm like, gosh, there's like so many things I could have done that would work so much better. Like, you know, yeah, there's quite a few um, of those situations when I was newer where I'm like, dude, I would have, this would have worked so much better if I would have known X, Y, Z that I know.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people that too. Right. When we look at videos and, you know, body cams and stuff like that of police officers who, have done stuff right and made decisions i always look at it never as you know i'm trying to monday morning you know re- replay everything and you know i'm trying you know i know that officer knew what they knew and, and the reason they made that decision to do whatever it was right whether it be deadly force you know a situation where maybe i may not have went there but that police officer he used to the extent the training that he had. And, you know, that training took him to there. So, no, I I think, you know, I think what you said right there is, you know, we don't know what we don't know. But once you know something, you know, then you look back and you're like, man, if I only would have known this earlier or, you know, if somebody would have showed me this cool little thing, it could have changed a lot of outcomes, even if that, you know, it's just shortening the time that it took to get that person into handcuffs.
2: Totally. And I feel like as long as you realize there's stuff out there you don't know and you keep trying to know those things, you're good as long as you don't want to ignore those things. Right. I mean, I feel like the biggest thing that I've realized, realized right off the bat for GST was how much a lot of our officers don't know that, you know, someone who's trained in jujitsu or anything like that. I mean, before you even know it's happening, you could be choked out and out and <laughs> I know that now. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to happen to me. (laughs) Right. So I'm going to figure out how to avoid that. And I do feel like there's some officers out there still that are just like, well, I'll just punch them really hard or I'll just tase them, or I'll just, you know, all these different things. And it's like, well, you, you don't know that's going to (laughs) work. So, and maybe you don't want to go to that level of force yet. Maybe you shouldn't go to that level of force yet. And so maybe you should realize people out there have some skills and we have to be prepared with that for that.
1: Or it's like, Hey, what if I can show you something that you won't even have mm-hmm. to use that stuff? Right. Way simpler. Yeah. We don't have as many reports to do if we're not using tasers. Right. And now we got a bunch of uh, different types of reports that we have to do, but what if we didn't even have to do that because our training took us to this level of, you know, people are going to respect us and what we do and, and whatnot so And
2: we're not going to hurt people like we're not going to hurt people like sometimes teasing and other things do.
1: Right so now you got into martial arts right as kind of as a result of this and, and learning different things and trying to you know how do I keep myself better as a citizen and as a police officer right so what was that what did you start getting into and let's go down that journey
2: So I started in with Krav first. That was my first thing. And I really liked that. And then my instructor, Uncle ended up moving away. So I didn't get to do that. But I got my level one while they were here. So that was really fun. And then I just realized I still felt a little uneasy with defensive tactics at work and stuff. And so I went to become an instructor because I'm like, this is going to help me, you know, face my, my, I think, hesitation. Loved it. Went to FBI. But then... A couple of my really close friends, one of my, I should say my very close friend, who's like now my jujitsu dad, he and one of the officers that he's not with us anymore, but they started training and doing jujitsu before and after shift at um, our office. So they convinced me to go start rolling with them. And that's kind of what got me interested, but I was still really intimidated about going and about you know, being bad at it and just not knowing what I was doing. And just, uh, it's really hard to suck at something, <laughs> you know, when you're, especially when you're 40, you know, you just, everything I've been doing my, in my life, I've been doing a while and I feel like I'm pretty decent at it. And then to go in and just be absolutely like, no, nothing. And then just feel like i Being <laughs> one of the only girls in there with these giant guys, which never really bothered me. But I mean, they were all so good. You know, to me, they were all just like their role models for me. They were all so good at what they did. And it was really intimidating. But I started to go with them a little bit. Then I got pregnant with my daughter and had to stop. And then I was, you know, trying to get back into it. And then along comes GST. And so I was super stoked. A bunch of the FBI instructors had gotten to go. My jujitsu dad, <laughs> he had gone before. And then I started showing us some of this stuff that came up and taught the academy with me. And then I got to go um, with another one of my partners and that was the catalyst. That was it. I was like, I got to keep doing this. This is incredible. I completely believe in this hundred percent. And the minute that I got back from GST, I signed up and I've been going constantly, so That's I wish awesome. I could be there every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all, right? Don't we all wish <laughs> we could. <laughs> oh gosh. So how has that helped you w- with your law enforcement? Or have you found instance instances where let's not go GST yet, right? That That's something uh, newer if we will, but your training, your jujitsu training, how has that helped you in your career with confidence and both, you know, going hands-on with individuals?
2: Well, I mean, definitely can't be afraid to be really close to people in jujitsu. <laughs> <So, laughs> that's helped a lot. I, I think the biggest thing, and I've only been doing it for a few months, so I don't want to pretend like I. No, I- I've been doing it for free- more. But it, it, the biggest thing is like I'm not a comfortable being on the ground anymore. Or like I, I'm like okay, you know, I'm here, I'm fine, I can make it through this. And, you know, I read a thing in one of the white belt books I read about just kind of climbing that positional ladder, right? Whatever rung you're on, if you're, you know, if you're in side mount or if you're being mounted or whatever, you want to climb the rung of the ladder to get yourself in that better position. And so that's been a really kind of good mindset thing for me where like, I'm down on the ground. It's like, it's okay. Like I know what to do here now. And I know that what I do will work. And I know that at 130 pounds, if I can do a technique, right, I can get a 200 pound guy off of me. And so it's definitely helped me be super comfortable with that. I don't see myself panicking if I'm there, which is really good. That's definitely. huge. So just being new about it, that's definitely helped. And just confidence in trying something new. I mean, confidence is confidence. You carry it empty wherever. And it's funny because I will give him a name. My jujitsu does. His name is Lester. <laughs> call him Les. But when I went the first day, I was Lord. I was terrified. I was trying to give myself every reason not to walk in there. I didn't know Les was going to be there. And when I walked in, he saw me and just like lit up. He was so excited that I was there. And it was just really great to come into a community that was just there. Everyone was happy I was there. And so this gave me the confidence to try and to push through and, you know, to do the five-minute rounds we do. And that's the other thing. It's definitely helped me with confidence there. Like, you know, you're rolling for a five-minute round. That's a completely different Aspect of fitness and endurance than anything I've ever done. It's also helped me know that like, okay, what I've been doing is helping because my legs are strong. My endurance is strong. I can recover really well. And so I have those things kind of going for me. So it, that, that part of it like has on with my confidence too. So I feel like, you know, now at least I have some tools. Even if I got in a fight tomorrow, I've got more tools than I did before I went there. And that's huge.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I was, I was laughing because. I remember when I went to my first jujitsu class, I was going and doing the kind of cross training at the gym we were at. They follow the power athlete program and I was going five days a week, five 30 in the morning. I was there every day and I went to my first jujitsu class and I was like, what is this cardio that you guys have over here? Cause it's different than what I've trained over there. Like, I feel like, you know, all the years of training over here, like you guys just made that for nothing. You know, yeah, it, it's a different level.
2: If it really is. I mean, I think Krob taught me, look, I'm not made of glass. If like, I get hit, you know, I'm not going to fall apart. So that was good. Like I knew that I wasn't going to just, you know, you're not going <laughs> right. to hit in the face. I mean, like okay. I had my shoulder dislocated. I bloodied my nose and a black eye. That's great explaining that. Thank God my husband's a cop too. And he would go to Krav with me. But then like, you know, jujitsu is the same. Like it just helps you realize that like you can get thrown on the ground and still be fine. You can, Get up out of that situation, you know, it, it's, but you're right, like a five minute round is totally different. Even with CrossFit, it's like, okay, this is different. I got this 200 pound guy on top of me in like side control or scarf hold, and I like got to figure out that I can actually breathe and calm myself down enough to get out of the situation, you know, especially as a white belt, everybody smooshes you, which is totally fine. But, you know, you, you figure out like how to defend somebody trying to go for your neck, you know, and I think when I'm in there too, I'm always thinking like, okay, where, where's my weapon side? Where's, Where's the things I need to protect? And so it just gets you kind of thinking, at least me, it gets me thinking, through, I'm sure you do the same thing, like thinking Absolutely. through those scenarios too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I also try to figure out when I'm in those, like, okay, this is something I would use in, in law enforcement, right? With a belt on and, you know, mm-hmm. okay, hey, you know what, maybe I don't want to go here because this exposes a, a weapon or, or a firearm, but I also find those spots where, you know, I'm like, Hey, I can stop here and rest for a minute, you know, if, if this was bad guy, because, I'm safe. My weapons are safe. I have control. You know, I definitely think there is a level of confidence that comes with that, but also a level of I'm safer now. And not only am I safe, but bad guy's safe because I can control him in a way or her in a way that, you know, maybe a police officer who doesn't train can't. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking the first couple of times that we did anything where I learned how to like, you know, hold flight control and hold mountain, those different positions. Like if I would have known this, being that deputy by herself, taking such a large area of the county, if I would have known how long I could hold somebody in a position back then, I would have been so much less, you know, anxious about about, you know, having to get in a confrontation with somebody like, I can just hold you here. I can hold you here for as long as I have to.
1: you know, like I can uh, wait until you're ready to go to jail. Right. That's what I tell people, totally. you know, when do we take bad guy to jail? I, I tell people that I train, you know, Hey, you know, like what, when do we need to get handcuffs on bad guy? And they're like, as quick as we can. I'm like, why, why, what's the difference if I put him in handcuffs within 30 seconds, or if I take five or six minutes to just make him feel defeated, right? Just make him be ready to go to jail. In the end, he's still going to jail, right? I, I'm not saying we're not taking him back out of jail, but why does it have to be right at this exact moment? Why can't it be in a minute or two? Uh, the, you know, we're going to accomplish the yeah. same thing. And, you know, that's a different mindset for police officers nowadays, because, you know, we are always taught, right? Even me going through the police academy, I was taught cuffs got to go on, cuffs got to go on, right? You're not safe until cuffs, cuffs go on well, you know what? I can argue a a different way. And I promise you, I'm going to be right that I don't need those handcuffs on to be safe. I I can be really safe without those handcuffs on.
2: Well, and it's changed my mindset from like, I would look at myself and be like, I'm small. And now I'm like, I'm powerful. I'm capable. And it's really, I know that sounds super cliche, but like, I don't think of myself as small anymore. Right. Like I, I think of myself as like, all right, I can have, I have technique. I have confidence. I have strength in this little body that I know how to use now. And I'm only going to learn how to use more of it so that I don't get hurt. I don't have to hurt the person that I'm trying to arrest. And, you know, I can go out there and do this. And if one of my guys is in trouble, I've got all these other tools
1: I can use to help them too. And then you also start to understand the human body right now. We understand movements that people make and why they make movements. And, you know, I don't necessarily need to look at you to, feel what you're doing when we're fighting, right? We, we have a different, oh gosh, I don't know. I, I don't connection, if you will, that, you know, I know when you move, you're giving me this or you're moving to here. And, you know, it, it provides that in those altercation times, a different spot of understanding what's going on, right? I know when not in, you know, when I'm in an altercation with the subject, but I know when I roll around at the gym and things like that, I tend to close my eyes and just feel the individual feel where they move. And, you know, that, that comes with time and experience and, you know, getting to that level. But, you know, then when I'm in an altercation with somebody, then, you know, it, it takes it to a different level.
2: Yeah. And I feel like I'm getting there. I'm still learning how to do that. I'm a big overthinker, but jujitsu is really teaching me how to, have to do that. Like it's, it, it's teaching me how to be more mindful of the situation and the person. The one thing that I have caught myself saying is again, just being on the ground or if I get in a position that I'm not, it's not the greatest position I can tell myself, I hear myself in my head going, I'm fine. I know how to get out of here. Like, and so that's Don't huge. Don't freak out. You know, Don't panic. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, that's huge.
1: No, I like that. Now you went to GST. We talked a little bit earlier. We went to GST together and trained there in Denver at the 303 Training center, which was an amazing time, right? I think everybody from, you know, we had high level black belts in there and We had people who were like, how do you spell BJJ, right? Um, (laughs) They they didn't really know much, but we all learned something. (laughs) So what, you know, you kind of came in there with the less experienced side of the house. What was that experience like going through something like that and learning? And then we're going to talk about something that you did that they're actually going to (laughs) implement in GST, which is awesome
2: i was so nervous the first day um so nervous and it went away very quickly sorry i've got a dog on my lap stand by get down yeah i was super nervous i had no idea i walked in and there's just all these people and i just like in my head i was like oh my gosh these people have to know so much more than me right like but that went away very quickly evandro He made that whole class, just I mean, everybody put everybody at ease. And once I got over that, I was really glad Nick was with me, my partner. But yeah, I just from the minute one, I was like, this is I can do this. I can do this. This makes sense. Everything that was explained to me was like, this is incredible. Like, why, you know, why have I been doing these other ground escapes? Why are we teaching this? Like, this is so much better. This is so much better. And I'm small and I can still do this you know, and then my partner telling me like, Hey, you're strong. I can feel what you're doing. Like you're doing this right. You're doing well. And just having all that great feedback, it was it definitely completely changed my mindset, honestly. And then everybody was just awesome and just super, and, and every jiu-jitsu student I've met has been that way. Just awesome. Wanting you to succeed, wanting to help you, wanting to show you, you know, how to be better, just like a good group of people. And so I just didn't feel like, nobody's nobody cares if I don't do this right the first time and expect me to. Uh, So that was huge. But then, you know, like I said, just thinking my way through all the techniques and going, man, I can do this. This will work for me. This will work for me at 130 pounds. This will work for my, I have another small deputy that works with me and she's smaller than me. You would never know it though. She's just amazing. She's awesome. I just love her. She carries herself so well, but I thought of her a lot. I was like, this is going to work for her. I don't, I can teach her this and and worry about her less. Right. Like, cause I look at everything that I do defensive tactics wise. How is this going to work for me against somebody who's a hundred pounds heavier than me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know, I, I, those techniques worked, you know, Ray when he was, walk around with us too. Like He would have me do the techniques on him and I could do it. So it was great.
1: And for, for those of you that don't know, Ray is not a small individual <laughs> at all. Um, Ray, Ray's a larger individual, but very nice, right? A little gentle giant up there.
2: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. He was so mellow and never made me feel like um, insecure about anything. He was just like, okay, you look like you're doing a great job. Let's now you do it with me. So you can f- feel how it will be with me. And, um, he helped me tweak some of the, the things I was doing, but when I did it, it worked against him just as well as it worked against Mick. Who's not that much bigger than me.
1: And we'll have Ray's One of my committed to come on to the podcast in the future. So that will be another fun one. I,
2: I hear his voice all the time. Big shrimp. Megan. Big shrimp, <laughs> Megan. You go to a restaurant, you order shrimp and they're little, you don't want little shrimp, you want big shrimp. But- <laughs> <laughs> Think
1: about that all the time. Oh, I didn't hear that. I might have to use yeah, that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> picture it, picture it.
1: So you hit on some, you mentioned something uh, while you were talking about saying like, Oh, I can't wait to get this back and and teach, you know, other, this other female police officer. Have you had the opportunity to teach other female police officers this stuff? Or is that still a, we're getting to there. If you have, What has that been like for them?
2: So I personally haven't had a chance to yet. I think my first opportunity will be this fall. I'm going to help teach at the police academy. I'm doing a new hire training when I get back from vacation, but I don't think there's any females. And then we have our in-house too. So I'm so excited. I can't wait, but I've watched them go through it before I went through GST and they were just they loved it everybody that did the gst stuff that we taught them at the time or that mm. you know i was helping but i wasn't an officially instructor yet everybody but including the females were like this is really great this feels good this works really well and they were super excited about it which is good because obviously i'm geeked out about it i can't wait <laughs> to show them and do more you know we're you drank Dude, I'm all in, man. Like I'm obsessive. I'm like, can I get there every day now? And so I was only doing gi and now I'm sneaking into no ghee. And you know, I'm watching videos. I've got three I'm terrible, and I can't mm. stop buying stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm just ready to go. But but our whole staff was—they were really—we got really great feedback from, like I said, from the girls all the way up to the guys, and. You know, another part of the reason that I became a DT instructor in the first place is we didn't have any females. And so I felt like it was important for our female officers, you know, to have a female there to show them how to do stuff. It's a little, especially when you're newer, it's a little less intimidating to have a female show you, hey, you're capable of this. You can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. And I can show you how. And I'm really excited to be able to come back and be actually more active in it. And then our academy director He's actually started going to Jiu-Jitsu with me too. And so he's like, I can't wait to have you come up and, and at the last day of the academy, you know, do the, the live drills and stuff with these girls. They're going to they're gonna love having a female there. And so I'm pretty stoked to do that too. And just to let them, just to be able to roll with them, let them know, like, hey, this is going to work on me, on Lester, on everybody. I think it'll be great for their confidence.
1: No, I, I can see your passion. You're ready to go.
2: <laughs> I just want... I just I, I love my guys. I mean, I just love my guys. I love them to pieces. I want them to be safe. I don't want them to get hurt. I want them to not eat like jerks. I want them to. I want them to train. I want them to be healthy, and I want them to know they can go out there and do this stuff. And I know what I felt like as a new female with not a lot of other females, and I mean the, the girls that I work with now they call me mom, so I'm like I take that very seriously, like. <laughs> Even my girls, like, I don't want them to make the same mistakes I do. I don't want them to feel the way I did. I want them to come in more power to be better than me and do well. And I mean, all of my guys, but especially the girls. So they're a great group of women. I adore them. And I just, I want them all to just make it however long they want to in this career. And you know, not get hurt and yeah. And not get sued. And, and just to have a good experience and, you know, just to feel empowered and feel confident and know that they can go out and protect their community the way that they want to.
1: That's awesome. I like that. That's good.
2: It's true. I'm a, I love them. I do. I the law. So, a little bit more. Yeah, I do. I just want, I want the best for them and I want to show them the best that we can, the best of the best. And I want to give them the best chance of getting out of a bad situation
1: Mm -hmm. possible. No, absolutely. And I think you've, you know, you've kind of found that key for yourself and, you know, over, over the journey of of your career. Right. And I I think one of the things that you've done that I think is great is you've found things that, you know, like, Hey, I need to improve on this. And you actually took the steps to improve it. How many times do we see, you know, officers and, and deputies and those in law enforcement that, They know they need to do this and they know how to get over here, but they don't take those steps. Right. And I think that's what sets you apart from other officers out there is you've, you realize that. And instead of going, well, I guess I'll just work with what I got. You said, Nope, I'm going to take myself to the next level. And then when you hit that next level, you said, you know what? There's a new level that I can take myself to. And you've committed to, to doing that journey. And, you know, I think, that isn't going to be an inspiration to other female police officers and those you work with. And, you know, hopefully that also will be an inspiration to the female police officers that listen to this podcast in particular, you know, that might be in, in that situation where you were at in the beginning and, or, you know, maybe they want to take their confidence to that next level. And, you know, they hear, you know, what we've talked about over the last hour of, of what worked for you and how you did that. And you put those steps in No, I think that's great. I I think you're going to be a a big inspiration, bigger than you know, especially once this gets out and people start listening to it.
2: No, thank you. I just don't, I know what it's like to feel like I couldn't do anything right. Like I know what it's like to feel helpless in situations and I don't like that feeling. And so anything I can learn, anything I can do that prevents me from feeling that way. And, you know, I, I take, everybody's like, well, this is just a job. No, it's not like, it's not to me. I'm sorry. And I don't think it can be like, it's not, this is a calling I think. And I take it very seriously. I take my responsibility to my community very seriously. And I have three kids now and a husband and, you know, who's getting older people that depend on me and I owe it to them. I owe it to myself. You know, I just, I take it very seriously and I want, you know, to make sure that I'm doing as much honor to my badge and my family and my profession as I possibly can. And I, I know it sounds cheesy, but that's, my dad was my absolute hero. I was always like, just, you know, you, it, those are his values. You know, you just don't ever dishonor the badge. You don't ever, you know, dishonor your family. And so I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to, to not do those things, to just to be the best that I possibly can be too. So and if I can help other people, like I said, be better than me <laughs> or um, not make the same mistakes I did. I'm, I'm all in for that for
1: sure. No. And I definitely think, you know, I think you're on that right journey. Uh, you know, you kind of reached out to me and we're like, Hey, let me come on to your podcast and talk. And you know that <laughs> that shows some of your passion and your drive for wanting to, you know, get this out there to people. And, you know, this is just one of the many ways. Now you have more tools in your belt and sounds like you're gonna do great things at, at your departments. No, I think you're I think you're there. I think we're, we're, you're where you want to be without realizing it. But oh, thanks. I, I again, I greatly appreciate you coming on today. I hope that we can talk again in the future, uh, especially after you get a couple trainings, you know, with others. in where where you're conducting that training, and we can kind of talk about that experience, and then the other police officers and female police officers' lives that that you impact in and you know you help with that. I think that'd be another fun conversation for it. So again, I just. I want to say a, a big thank you um, for coming out and sharing your experiences and sharing kind of your story as it relates to physical fitness and mindset and defensive tactics with myself and you know everybody that's going to listen. See, I can't
2: think about that. I just think of talking to
1: you. No, that's why we say that to the end, right?
2: if anything I could say could help anybody so much, the better, you know, I definitely, I don't think of myself as better than anybody else or anything like that. Like I just said, I mean, I just know, I know what it was like for me and if, if I can help other people through that and, and encourage them, you know, to keep pushing and keep improving and to get to jujitsu and uh, get more fit and uh, feel better about themselves. And hundred percent, I'll do that all day long. So awesome. Like it. Thanks for-
1: As we do every week, folks, I remind you to get out there and be better for yourself, be better for your family, be better for your friends, and most importantly, be better for those that you encounter daily in your community.
0: That's it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend so you never miss an episode of Force Multiplier for Law Enforcement. Another way that can help us grow and reach more listeners and agencies is by leaving us a review. They are read and the feedback is taken on how to make this podcast even better to reach our community and different law enforcement agencies.